In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope that you will consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to thank you all for uh, emailing me your questions, which I'm going to answer in just a bit, but let's recap last night's 2-1 to loss by Atlanta United at New England. Unlike in Tuesday's 3-0 loss to Philadelphia in the first leg of their Champions League series, Atlanta United did not look like the better team on Saturday. New England dominated in chances created and can consider itself unlucky that it didn't score more goals other than Brandon Bay's header and Carlos Gill's penalty, which I think was a little bit controversial because Chris Pinso originally ruled it to be a free kick, went back to VAR to check, switched it to a penalty kick, It was a foul that happened right on the line of the penalty box, but I don't think it was clear and obvious that Pinso had made a mistake with his initial ruling. But MLS refereeing is not what anyone wants it to be, so there you go. But that's not – it's technically the reason Atlanta United lost, but not exclusively the reason that Atlanta United lost last night. Atlanta United's goal came on a penalty kick converted by Marcelino Marino. As the team's offense continued its season-long struggle, Marino won the penalty with a very nice move to get around Brandon Bay. Uh, then Bay brought him down in the penalty box. Uh, Marino put it in the put the penalty kick into the lower left corner. Matt Turner guessed correctly but couldn't get a hand on it because Marino hit it with pace. That was his first goal this season. Three of his goals for the Atlanta United have come from penalty kicks. Now making this loss potentially more impactful – especially considering Atlanta United has to go to Philadelphia on Tuesday and try to score at least three goals to make it to the semifinals of the Champions League for the first time in three tries. Jurgen Dom and Ezekiel Barco left the game early with what appeared to be hamstring issues. Gabriel Heinze hadn't had a chance to talk to his medical staff before he spoke to us last night, so he's not sure of their status uh, each has had hamstring issues in the past. It's why Dom had some issues last year with the team. We all know Barco's injury history is long and extensive with the five stripes. But if they can't go on Tuesday, things are going to be really, really interesting. Now, Atlanta United's offense didn't look great last night. Part of that was because Heinz arrested four starters uh, from the Philadelphia game. Barco, George Bello, who's always a threat down the left, Miles Robinson, and Joseph Martinez. But still, as Heinze says, we rely on the whole team. You, you can't just keep 
pinning hopes on Joseph Martinez because right now he doesn't look nearly the same player that he was the previous few seasons for Atlanta United. Some of y'all became a little bit upset when I asked last night on Twitter if the manager has changed and the tactics has changed and some of the new players have come in. When do you start looking at the players that have been on the team through last season's offensive malaise and this season's offensive malaise? It was me just kind of going down the critical path to try to figure out why the team is having troubles. And at some point, you have to look at the constants between last season's struggles and this season's struggles. Some of those constants are Ezekiel Barco, Emerson Hindman. Mulraney didn't play a lot last year, but Mulraney, um, those guys. I'm not saying that they're at fault, but they're just the constants between the two things. Um, Brooks Lennon. For example, I'm not saying any of them should be benched. I'm just trying to figure out why the team is having trouble scoring. I just tweeted out a bit ago, you go through the first six games of last season, three of which the team didn't have, or three and a half of which the team didn't have Joseph Martinez, 73 shots, 28 on target. This year, 79 shots, 29 on target. And that's with Joseph Martinez being somewhat healthy and back. So, I mean, in my opinion, there's definitely still something wrong with this offense. Um, You know, someone tweeted the educated observer, whatever the heck that means, uh, gives a coach 10 games. Well, 10 games is a third of the way through the season. Once you're a third of the way through the season, if you're not scoring, it's going to be too late to try to get things turned around, in my opinion. But let's get on with your questions. I still haven't seen – I've seen little of Eric Lopez, but it just feels like there's more quality in him than Jurgen Dom or Jake Mulraney. Do I think he starts seeing more time soon? I think a lot of y'all are putting a whole lot of faith in a guy who I still don't think has more than 20 appearances as a professional in Eric Lopez. I think he's going to be a good player, but to think that he's going to come in and be a game changer, I don't think is going to happen. It reminds me of everyone wanting to see Andrew Carlton in year one. It reminds me of everyone wanting to see Mateus Rosetu in last year and we know both players didn't really do anything with their time with the club so just be patient with eric lopez i think heinz is going to bring him along slowly he may have to play now a little bit more with dom out with dom possibly out and barco out but don't expect that he's going to come in and score 40 yard bangers um now on to another question I know our starting 11 wasn't our strongest, but are there tactical issues that prevent us from being able to score when teams play so compactly? I don't know if there's tactical issues. It's tough for any team other than maybe one that has Lionel Messi to get through a team that's parking the bus. Um, To do so, it requires either a lot of quick precision passing and moving, which Atlanta United is not doing a lot of this season. It requires either that or good crosses coming in and someone winning those crosses and no one's winning any crosses in the offensive end for Atlanta United right now. Uh, Jake Mulraney and Brooks Lennon are putting in some good crosses, but there's no one there. Jurgen Dom's crosses have not been very good. Um, And on the other side, Bellow's not really a crosser per se. He can put in a cross. He's more of an attacker. But I I wouldn't say it's tactical tactical issues. It's more just that one-two passing. And Marcelino, Marcelino Moreno... And Ezekiel Barco don't really do that a lot. They like to get the ball and hold on to the ball, which I think is part of the problem because it gives defenses time to get compact instead of passing and moving, passing and moving. We'll see. 
While I'd love to see Atlanta win the Champions League, I'm a huge believer in not letting one loss turn into two or more, and that's exactly what happened tonight, says the next questioner. The injuries played a part, and fixture congestion is part of playing in big tournaments, but on the heels of Tuesday's breakdown, I look at this next stretch and I think we cannot have a three-match losing streak. Thus, there needed to be more emphasis on this match and what it meant for the league season and the momentum shift. I don't know if I agree with that. I think you have to try to compete as hard as you can with the best team that you can to, to turn over Philadelphia in that Champions League second leg. You lose this game, you still have 30-something games to make up those points. You can't do that in the Champions League. So I don't mind that Heinz tried to rest a few starters for the game against New England. Um, now, facing a three-match losing streak is a very real possibility against uh, Philadelphia. It rested a couple of its key players. It is going to be without Martinez, who had a vicious elbow to New York's Castellanos in their last in their game last night. I think he's probably going to be suspended for quite a few games. But that's neither here nor there. Atlanta United's got to go to Philadelphia. Philadelphia can do what it does best, pack them back in, beat the five stripes on the counter, which is exactly what they did in that first game. So three-match losing streak, no one wants to see it, but it looks – more probable than possible at this point. Atlanta's, this is the next question. Atlanta's defense hadn't conceded this year until Franco took the field, Alan Franco. He seems to be having trouble keeping up with his man. I'm sure he has some qualities, but speed is not one of them. Do you think we'll see more of the Walks-Robinson pairing going on, or do you, the, or will they stick with Franco given the fact that they spent so much on him. I think I think he's going to be a really good player. I think right now he's probably thinking a little bit more than playing um, as he gets used to his new team and his teammates. But I think he's going to be fine. Um, he's had some rough moments, but, again, new team, new players, new league, new everything. And we've seen how that can affect players when they come into Atlanta United MLS. So, you know, just be patient with Franco. Um, Hines has said he doesn't care about salaries when he picks starting lineups. So you probably will see some rotation just to keep some guys fresh between Robinson and Walks and Franco, but I don't think anyone's giving up on him anytime soon. Uh, and I, I don't agree that he, he looks slow. Um, I think Franco Abara is a little bit slower than maybe what was expected, but I think Alan Franco is going to be okay. Um, the next question, is Joseph's form attributable to lack of fitness, lack of minutes, poor service, and or ineffective game plan? Um, I don't think it's lack of fitness. I don't think it's lack of minutes. Service has been difficult to come by because teams are packing the middle so much. I don't want to say it's an ineffective game plan. All the players are praising Gabriel Hines' game plan. So I think it's just more the the opponent's tactics. Um, they're trying to win two. They're packing the middle, clogging the passing lanes, not giving Joseph a lot of room to operate. And right now there's no one on Atlanta United who's unlocking the defenses. Is Carlos Gil the kind of player we hoped Barco would be? Probably. He looked fantastic last night. All of his free kicks were, were very good. He was so good at finding space, getting his head up, and making a pass. And that's the thing that Barco just doesn't do. Barco gets the ball and dribbles and dribbles and dribbles. If that's what he's being asked to do, then he's doing it very well. If that's not what he's being asked to do, then it's probably time to have a come-to-Jesus meeting. Um, but Carlos Gill was excellent last night. He created five chances against Atlanta United in the first half by himself. The next question. At this point, does every MLS team know the formula for beating Atlanta, press, clog the middle, and force Atlanta to lob harmless crosses in from the wing, and then counter on the break? 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the game plan against Atlanta you're going to see from most teams. New England pressed Atlanta United very, very hard in its own half, and the team could not get out a lot of times. Turnover after turnover after turnover, which was creating goal-scoring opportunities for the Revs. So they were a little bit different last night, but after they got the lead, then they could sit back a little bit, and Atlanta United had no real chance. The only, the best chance it had was came from a New England turnover, Eric Kubo-Torres brought down the ball, three-on-two, passed it to Barco, who instead of one-timing it, took a dribble. Shot was blocked, out for a corner. Next question. The season is still young, but do you think the results this far suggest we don't have the right combination of players to be a top-tier MLS team, or Heinz isn't coaching well enough to win? What's the primary reason we're not getting results? I think Heinz's coaching is fine. Uh, again, he's, he's very prepared. He's very meticulous. Um, I think right now it's just the players getting comfortable with each other. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Heinz try to make an adjustment, uh, which is going to get to the next question um, that I'm going to talk about in just a second, to try to get this offense going a little bit more. And the next and final question is, do you think Barco's injury is an opportunity to start Moreno in his more natural position as a number 10? If I were Heinze, that is what I would do. I would put Marcelino Moreno back into the middle of the field, because he looked very good there last year. He does not look comfortable on the wing at all. And see what he can do. He's bigger. He's stronger than Barco. I think he's a little bit of a better – he can be a little bit of a better passer. on The wing, The wingers in Heinz's system are asked to get the ball and beat defenders. We've been told that, so that's what Moreno is trying to do. I would like to see him in the middle and see if he could pass the ball a little bit more, get guys involved in the game, Make defenders think. Make defenders move. All right. Well, that's my analysis of Atlanta United's 2-1 to loss to New England. I want to thank all of you for your excellent questions. I really am enjoying this format. I'm enjoying the interaction with you all. Um, and this is another ep- episode of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Y'all take care. Have a great Sunday. Atlanta United will play Philadelphia on Tuesday in the second leg of its quarterfinal Champions League series. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.